Loaded Bases, episode five. Happy opening week. Well, opening day 2.0. But I'm just excited to see some baseball we can play this year. As many of you know, I am a big Cubs fan. So with the 60-game season, hey, the NL Central is going to be insane. Even if there was... 50 games, 100 games, 20 games, I'm still excited to watch baseball. But there is parts of baseball right now that are not being played. And there's a lot of issues that are going along with the minor leagues. There's issues such as pay, uh, places to live, food. I mean, there's many different things that us as normal fans and followers of baseball do not know. Like these guys in the minors, they are not having a season this year. And also on top of that, if you don't play, you don't get paid. So back in the day, one of my first jobs, I worked for the Yakima Bears and I was a bat boy. And we had players that would ask us to run to the concession stand with a few dollars to go get them drinks. And I was super confused of why the teams didn't just have free Gatorades for them or water. But that got me thinking a while back. Because when you're younger and you look up to these guys, you all think that they make lots of money. And they have all these companies that give them free stuff. But that's not the case. My next guest, so he is a financial advisor now, and one of the big reasons why he does what he does is because, so he played in the minor league system for about four years. He also played in Mexico as well. There's a lot of things that us average fans do not know of what actually happens in the minor leagues. So get ready to listen to some things that actually do happen. Loaded bases. We have... Jonathan Perrin over here. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be a part of the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So what is your current job title? What do you do? So now I uh, just recently retired from pro baseball in January, and now I'm an investment advisor uh, for Waterfront Wealth Advisors in uh, Overland Park, Kansas. How, how did you become a, uh, a financial advisor out of playing baseball? What? Yeah. Um, Well, so I got drafted in 2015 and I actually studied history in college. Mm -hmm. I got drafted, got a bonus. It wasn't anything crazy, but um, first time I really ever had any money in my life and I had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, And then I don't know if you've ever seen the 30 for 30 broke from ESPN. Oh yeah. So that movie, yep. That movie changed my life, man. I watched that. I watched that back in college and I watched it again when I got to pro ball. I was like, I can't be like these guys. Um, so ended up, uh, reading up on it for myself and then, um, ended up getting licensed back in 2018, uh, and spent last two years of my playing career actually as a licensed investment advisor and playing pro baseball as well. So you had a full-time job plus playing baseball full-time. Yeah. Much. The beauty, the beauty of it though is technology the way it is. And I think people are finding that out now with the whole COVID thing is if you have a laptop and a cell phone and a Wi-Fi connection, you can pretty much do anything in the world if you really need to. Oh yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. It's, it's, 
I had a very flexible boss, you know, Jonathan Fink, yep. uh, my first boss, you had him on the show earlier. So, you, you know, he was a great guy and was very flexible with my schedule and understanding. So it, it was a great experience to be able to kind of live in both worlds for two years. And I think it, I'm a huge advantage coming out of the baseball side of it and going to work, you know, full time, uh, yeah. just focusing on the finance stuff now. So uh, very thankful for that opportunity. So there's an article that you were in, uh, it was with uh, NPR and it was about fair pay in minor league baseball. There's, yeah. so there's a, so the stat that threw me that I can shock that the average pay in the minors for a salary is $7,500 a year. Yeah. And yeah. The it's, majors is 4 million. That's a pretty big gap. Yeah. So it, it's a huge jump. I mean, that I actually did that article while I was in AAA. Um, and mm-hmm. there were guys on my team that were going up and down to the big leagues. And then I was making $2,500 a month. You know, like I was going to make less than $15,000 for the entire season in AAA. Mm-hmm. But I'm one phone call away from making 555 for the year. Yeah. If I'm up there. So, yeah, it's – it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, rookie ball salary starts at 1100 a month. And then now it's 1160. Um, you know, big, big, big jump there. Yeah. But, um, you know, just for re- example, and a ball and rookie ball, I made 1100 a month. High A, I made 1300 a month. Double A, I made 1600 and triple A, I made 2,500. And that's just for the season. You don't, you don't get paid in the off season. You don't, you know, you don't get, you know, get off season money, spring yeah. trainings unpaid, all that stuff. So it's, it's pretty tough. I say, cause there's uh so here in Yakima, there's, well, there used to be a short season a, so the Yakima uh-huh. bears and uh, the players, uh, they would go work for UPS in the mornings and then yep. they would go do all their stuff just to make their like a little extra mo- <laughs> more money. Yeah. I was doing the same thing. I was just working on my computer as an investment advisor. <laughs> I'd say because you hear like all these stories now, like of players who are driving Uber, and oh, you know, yeah. and then doing all that. It's crazy. Which isn't it crazy that you're supposed to be like this elite level athlete, and they're expecting you to perform at a certain certain high level, and then you also have to go home at night and drive Uber, you know, yeah. to bring home drunk college kids to be able to pay your rent. <laughs> I guess like which is also funny that because they do expect you to be and perform at a high level. But then also you have to survive. That's that's a great word, survive. Uh, we call it we call it the grind. The oh yeah, grind. Embrace it. Yeah, you gotta you know you got all these different uh, euphemisms rolling around. You know, embrace the suck. Uh, yeah. If you don't like it, if you don't like it, play better. Uh, yeah, those get thrown around in a minor league lock, locker room on a daily basis because it truly is a grind. What what round were you drafted in? Uh, so I was drafted in 2014 in the 33rd round by Detroit and I turned it down to go get my degree. And then I signed as a 27th round pick in 2015, uh, with Milwaukee. How was that whole experience with, uh, going over, I guess like the pay contracts and all that? Well, it was pretty eye opening my senior year of high school. Cause my best friend, John means, uh, with the Baltimore Orioles, uh, he actually got drafted out of high school by the Braves in the 46th round which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. But they sent him a copy of the uniform player contract that, you know, if he, if he wanted to sign and 
when he, we, we, that's when we all found out that minor league baseball players made 1100 a month. Yeah. Plus, and I was like, wait a minute, that's how much you're getting paid like to play professional baseball. And that was kind of a wake up call. So that, yeah, that was, that was my first experience with it. Um, and then my junior year, um, you know, I had to make the decision. I was a 33rd round pick and I got offered $35,000 as a bonus. And I had to sit there and make that decision. I said, is this $35,000, which after taxes and fees and all that, it's going to be really more like 20. Yeah. Is that worth more to me than forgoing my senior year of college and walking out of Oklahoma state with a degree? And for me, that was a real no, that was a no brainer. Oh, I made yeah, that decision. No. I made that decision about halfway through of the drive home from Stillwater to Kansas city. I was like, nah, like, forget that. Like, that ain't I'm, – I'm just going to get my education and we'll see what happens. Personally, I think that was the best decision I ever made. Oh, because I have a few buddies that have been uh, – they say it's just – it's uh, it's unreal in the minors. They say it's fun, but it's not like – I don't know. Like, you got to absolutely love it and have that goal of making yes. the bigs. It will truly test your love for the game. If you don't absolutely love baseball, it'll show playing in the minor leagues it really will. You can definitely tell which guys don't love it out there. Do you know the turnover rate? Oh yeah. I mean, it's high. I, I would say if you're not a top five round pick, your turnover rates probably less than three years on average, Jeez. maybe, maybe less than two. I mean, you see it guys, handfuls and handful of guys, every spring training, it's, you know, their first or second spring training, mm-hmm. you know, haven't, haven't even played outside of rookie ball or a ball and you know, they're getting the ax. So it's, it's a super high turnover rate. <laughs> That'd be insane. We were talking on the phone the other day, and you were telling me the story about uh, Christian Yelich, and that was the whole after uh, them going to the playoff run. Yeah. Talk, yeah. Yeah. Talk so about this that? Kind, yeah, absolutely. So this kind of ties into the the whole COVID uh, thing and the negotiations between. Mm-hmm. Uh, between MLBPA and the owners. And uh, this was actually explained to me by an agent, which I thought was a really good way to kind of recap or summarize kind of what the owners are asking of the Mm -hmm. players union. Um, So basically it was kind of the way that the owners are trying to make that the players take a percentage pay cut based on how much revenue the owners actually earn. Because they're saying, you know, hey, we're not going to make as much money, so we can't pay you as much. Um, but when times are good, and the example that was used was Christian Yelich during the Brewers' 2018 playoff run. So if Christian Yelich, you know, MVP, best, one, of the best player, one of the best seasons of all time, you know, just an unbelievable year. Yeah. Brewers go to that game seven of the NLCS. And if Christian Yelich walks into the owner, Mark Antonostio's office, and says, hey, you know, like, we had a really great year. I had a great year. I know I signed a contract for $7 million this year, but I deserve another one. I, sh- I deserve an- another million. I should have gotten paid $8 million because you guys made more money this year because of our deep playoff run. Yep. He's going to get laughed out of the owner's office. Like, they're, yeah. they're just going to be like, hey, man, good season. See you in spring training, buddy. Like, you signed for what you paid. You signed for what you signed for. That's how much you're getting paid, you know, and that's that. And now the owners are kind of trying to draw that or run that back and, and trying to take more money out of the players' pockets. Yeah. They already agreed previously to a prorated salary in spring training based on number of games played. And, you know, one of my favorite follows on Twitter is actually Jeff Passan. Um, 
he's been coming out with some great updates and tweets on on all this yes. stuff that's going on so uh, i definitely encourage people to check out his twitter and if for those who are curious about the business side of what's going on with these agreements and or proposed agreements uh he's, yeah. he's been a great resource there's been i mean there's there's been some pretty uh, ridiculous uh rumors i guess like going around about like i mean like if there's going to be a season well it's just really unfortunate that during such a time of hardship across the country that this is really getting aired out in public. Yeah. But all this really did, this just brought the the labor fight that was going to happen after next year's season forward at two years. Yeah. That's really – because this was going to happen in 2021 when the CBA was up. Uh, but now, basically, the players – union and the owners are going to have to do this twice in two years so this is really just a a stage setting for the cba renegotiation in 21 um and neither side wants to blink neither side wants to look bad i think tony clark the head of the players union knows that if he doesn't if he doesn't get the players what they want or like feel like a win for the players Mm -hmm. he's not he's going to be out and he's not going to be leading the negotiations in 21 so he's – I think mean, he's really pushing hard and trying to run a hard line. Um, and then the owners – the owners are the owners, man. They, they didn't become owners of multi-billion dollar franchises, you know, on accident. These guys are – these guys are business people, and they're not stupid. So See, they're, they're I got, trying to make as much money as they can. I got, a, I got a quote from you that you said on May 26th. I actually got it off your Twitter. Just remember when MLB doesn't have a season, it was the 30 greedy billionaire owners who killed it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Hands I'm down. Team, I'm team player. I, I'm a play. I was a player. I yeah. am a player. I support the union. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Cause you got to remember that not everybody in the big leagues is a millionaire. There's oh, a lot no. of, yeah, people no, there's, there's a lot of people in the big leagues that are, you know, multi, multi-millionaires over again. But there's a lot of thousandaires in that league. Yeah. There's a lot of guys living hand to mouth in the big leagues and all cross professional sports. There ain't yeah. oh, one, sure. There's not one owner that's hurting. Oh, you know, no. There's not one owner that's hurting for money. Um, they're so, yeah. saying that they are out of money, but they're not out of money. The, the thing that frustrates me about Major League Baseball and the ownership group in particular is every – Every team outside of, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies, Dodgers, they're crying poor at least once every couple of years. Even yeah. the Brewers after the 2018 season when they went to the NLCS. Well, they put a they lot of money into it. Yeah, but the next year they didn't. The next year they cried poor and were like, well, we're not going to make any big splashy free agent signings because we actually lost money last year. But, they don't, they, but when MLBPA asked them to open up their books – they won't do it because they know that once the fans – because the problem with it is the owners win the PR battle every time because the fans know exactly how much money every single player in Major League Baseball is making. It you can is go all on baseball, public. Yep. You can go on a baseball reference and figure out exactly how much money every single player is going to make. Yeah. But you have no idea what the, what the profit and loss sheets look like for each of these teams or with I the owners. Would, I would be really interested in seeing just – like one team's books. 
I would love to do that because they, they were trying to get the Marlins to open up their books, I believe, because when they were starting to kind of accuse them of tanking, mm-hmm. they, they were, you know, they're, and I think that would really help with that issue as well. That's another thing that I think hasn't been talked enough, talked about enough is doubt. If you open up the books and you see exactly how much money teams are making, that's going to prevent the tanking and fire sales of yeah. small market teams, you know, because the Royals did it. The Marlins have done it multiple times. Um, you know, other small market teams have done The twins have done it in the past. Uh, you know, if you're a small market team and you have a little bit of success and then your players reach free agency, it's a fire sale every time. Yeah. And I think if, if the teams had open books and the fans kind of started to get to peak into seeing how much money they're actually spending, I think it might actually prevent that and help, help the fans get to see their favorite players stay in small markets. Oh yeah. So it was, so uh, I lived down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida back in 2018. And uh-huh. with, with my tax return, I actually got a season ticket to the Marlins and they still had like Yelich, Stanton, all of them. Oh, and I was like, this is going to be nice. And then about a week later, it started getting rid of everyone. Then, yep. I mean, well, then the fans, that that was the big part. I mean, like the fans, they wouldn't. They were so against the team saving money for later, but like they don't. They did not understand that process. Well, because the Marlins, they got they got some pretty good returns. Well, I mean, on a few guys, but uh, when you give up hey. two MVPs, <laughs> you know, like who yeah. who they get back? They got back Eason. Well, I know from the Brewers, they got a couple of my buddies. You know, they got mm. Eason Diaz, who's a stud. But he's not going to be yet. Monte Harrison. Yeah, and Brinson. Monte probably going to be a multiple-time all-star in the big leagues yep. once he gets healthy. And Brinson, who's a good, great player, but just struggled at the big league level. And it's yeah. just like – and Christian Yelich probably should have won two MVPs back-to-back. Oh, yeah. With Stan, well, I mean, because they got rid of a lot of money, but New York can pay for it. Like, that's well, – the Stanton one made sense because he signed that $300 million yeah. deal and that team couldn't, but, but Yelich was on a team friendly deal. He signed like a seven year, $49 million yeah. extension. Like it was a very team friendly contract. Yeah. So that one just never, that one never made any sense to me. It was great for the Brewers because I was a part of the team at the time mm-hmm. and I got to meet Yelich in spring training that year and he ended up doing what he did. And he's a great dude and he's definitely somebody any team would want to have on it, on their roster. But mm-hmm. That just that just made no sense. You had him under team control for like four more years at a pretty cheap rate. Yeah. Um, and you know, but hey, they want to rebuild and they want to save money. Well, yeah. So and then because I'm from the Northwest, uh, when Seattle did well, because they had to find a way to get rid of Cano and then to send Diaz over. Yeah. Like with the Mets, and it was. I mean, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of I guess seeing firsthand like how the fans of where I've lived react to all the money being thrown around. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and it is a business at the end of the day. It's got to, if it doesn't make dollars, it's not going to make sense because it is a business, but it is unfortunate that the players consistently lose that PR battle. Yep. And I would like to see them win one. Because they do deserve the money. I mean, they, I don't, you know, I will argue that point until I am blue in the face that yeah. those guys are worth that money. The minimum should be higher. 
and they should be paying players earlier in their careers. I will argue those three points until I'm blue in the face. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting dynamic going on. And I, but I do, like you said, I, I think – I hope we'll play. I think we'll play in some shape or form this year. But Like the 48 we'll games? Yeah. Or I mean, like a 20-game uh, tournament? Just do like a 1 through 32 seed? That would, you know what? Like, I'm not totally against that. Like, just a giant round robin, yeah. like, yep. double, like, elimination style tournament like you used to do back when you were 12. Yes. Like, I've, I know that the players would hate that, but as a fan of the game, I That's think what I'm saying. Since, this, since this season is just so, such a wash, basically, anyways, let's just do mm-hmm. something crazy. Well, yeah, that, uh, I was thinking about this uh, a few months ago. I was like, you know, like, what if you just took the seeding from last year and that's how you just seeded it? And, and everyone, I mean, and then they had just had a few stadiums that they would go to and they would play double elimination or even just like a one game and you're done. Well, I mean, like with baseball, because it's all momentum. And if you're hot, right. like, I mean, if you're hot, you're hot and you can't pitch the same guys every day. So I think that'd be fun. I guess to watch it as a fan. I mean, yeah, and the big thing too is the the most unfortunate part about this whole uh, shutdown is there's no sports going on. Like I've been getting my fix with Korean baseball at yes. six o'clock in the morning. I've been waking up, going to the gym, and watching a couple of my buddies pitch over in Korea um, in the early mornings. And you know what? I'm not the only one. You see baseball Twitter. I mean, yep. baseball Twitter's all over these Korean guys. And, you know, you got no NBA, you got no NFL, you got no NHL going right now. They're, if they could get on the field, because I think the NBA is proposing to start, like, mid-August. Again. Yeah, yeah, they've, they have actually officially announced that one. Is that official now? Yeah, 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 they're, so they're, they're doing that in Orlando. You could have a solid month where Major League Baseball is the only thing and thing on TV. And oh, a fan yeah. and get, you know, you, fans or no fans in stands, it's on TV and people got something to watch. Yeah. And that's, and that, and you want to make money, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get people to watch. And if they're the only game in town, I think that would really help the interest level of the game, which, you know, has kind of stalled out yeah. in the last few years. I mean, we talk about all these different initiatives to uh, speed up the game and make it make, more interesting. Yeah. Well, guess what? You know how you you know how you get fans is if you're the only thing playing, people are gonna watch. People are gonna watch, you know, because it's the only thing that's gonna be on in any restaurant, you know. Because yeah. I don't think you want to watch the news right now. I mean, well, I mean, there's there's uh, so they're doing uh NASCAR races, but that's it, right? Oh, it's it's yeah. I mean, like even if they just have like the one month, the people in Vegas they can bet on that. Oh that, yeah. And that will still like flow money through. I think I think embracing sports betting is. I think that's another thing that the NBA is just way ahead of on mm-hmm. on that than MLB is. I, I mean, I think embracing sports betting is something that is should be happening and should be coming, especially in a time like this. If you're not going to play, you're not going to have fans in the stands, and you're the only game in town. Then you throw some some live lines up on the scoreboard oh, on yeah. ESPN. Oh, that's a no brainer to me as well. The Raiders pl- will play in Vegas this year, right? The- they're gonna be making a lot of money just because they're in Vegas, and they're gonna have like live betting during the game. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's the think- future. Oh, yeah. No, there's it's a 
there's a, a lot of money in baseball. It's, uh, what is it, a $10, $10 billion industry? Yeah, so they've had $10 billion of revenue each of the past two years. Um, it's records both years. So, yes, they – and it's just TV money. The TV money keeps growing, and this attendance has actually kind of started to slip. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still making a ton of money based on the TV contracts and all the other stuff that they got going on. So baseball's a healthy business. You know, it, yeah. it's a very healthy business. And um, I just, I hope that we can find a way to play this year. Because every day that we go without without playing a game is or starting or getting even closer to an agreement is one less day that they're going to get to play. Because I look at my watch and – I still haven't changed it and it it's supposed to say who the Cubs are playing today and, and every single game says postponed and it just sucks. It's just it's always like depressing. I know this is, this is the longest off season I have ever, <laughs> yeah, I have ever I was, sat through as a fan. I was joking with my girlfriend. I said, I picked a great year to retire. Like I could not have timed that up any more perfectly. <laughs> I cannot imagine how stressed that I would be trying to deal with this. Well, no, because as a pitcher, you got to be ready. Like, uh, yeah. you're very like routined. Absolutely. Well, and as a minor leaguer, because I don't think the minor leagues are going to play at all. Yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, that up, I think if anything, they're, they're going to have like a yeah. If, if anything, they're going to have like a three month instructional league all at the spring training complex. But yeah, there ain't no way that the minor leagues are playing. So these guys are all about to miss an entire year. You know, and by no fault to their own. Do you like coronavirus is more than just a virus? It's like slowly killing killing people's emotions. Oh yeah, it's it's been tough for everybody. And like I said, it it sucks that this is all going on in the middle of a, a pandemic that, where everybody across the country is really hurting. Um, which kind of makes the millionaire versus billionaire fight a little tougher of a sell, but I always look at it as labor versus ownership and you know, you vast majority of people in this country are labor. I don't know why you'd want to support ownership. So do you have any uh, final advice for the listeners who are in minor league baseball right now? Stay strong boys. Just keep your heads up. Keep grinding it out. You know, it's a tough time, but you know, Find, you'll find a way if you keep putting your nose to the grindstone and, and, and make it happen for yourself. But, I, yeah, I feel for you guys. I really do. Well, That's about all I got for them. Hey, that works. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, hope we can do this again soon. There's a lot more issues that we do not know about. And that when I see over social media, uh, these fans, quote, fans, are saying that these athletes should not be upset because they aren't getting paid and all this. I mean, would you take a 50% pay cut just to make other people happy? I sure as hell wouldn't. Huge thank you to John Perrin. Amazing guy. He has actually helped me out quite a bit. So in these future episodes... I will be talking to organizations and businesses and nonprofits that do help out minor leaguers. And this kind of will be one of the themes 
that a few of my episodes will have. I want to make it clear and I want to help minor leaguers have a voice. So when you see a player that you went to high school with or whatever and he was drafted, it does not mean that they make all this money. They make less than minimum wage. They have a dream and a passion and they are chasing it. So help them out. As always, a huge thank you to Routine Baseball for many of the apparel that I wear throughout the episodes. Routine Baseball has got me covered. They started out of a basement producing teas, and now they're shipping apparel across the globe. I also am now doing stickers. So if anyone wants a sticker, they're free or by donation, just send me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let me know. Oh, and since this is the episode right before the 2020 season, I'm just going to save my predictions for awards. I mean, because we all know I'm biased, and I'm going to say the Cubs are going to win the World Series. So there we go. For the AL MVP, as always, I'm going to say Mike Trout. For the NL MVP, Ronald Acuna or Nolan Arenado. He's easily one of my favorite position players. So now for the Cy Young Awards for the AL, Garrett Cole. That's a given. And and for the NL, I'm going to say you Darvish. That guy had a phenomenal second half last year. And the whole offseason has been working his butt off. You Darvish, NL, Cy Young. <laughs>